Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe Delio, and here with Ryan Roberts. Week two is behind us. We're on to week three. College football, the ever-turning wheel, is already going. And Ryan, this is a weird week two. This is a week where, and I, I texted this to you when we were trying to figure out which guys we wanted to talk about. It felt like it was a lot of teams that made headlines. Yeah. Less big-name players that had noteworthy performances but the result that we have after this week, we do have a lot of really good pass catchers that had good under-the-radar games. Overall, though, Ryan, I'm safe to admit here, and anyone who is following the channel knows, uh, this is probably one of my least favorite weeks of college football because of the, uh, uh, the the nonsense that happened in a lot of these games and the unpredictive nature of it was not very good for my betting. Uh, it was uh, not very good for my psyche uh, and a lot of other things. Well, I, I was going to ask how your betting went this week. I guess Horrible. it wasn't too great. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I, I was three for two, and I'm like uh, I'm a good college football better. So like three for two for me is a bad week, but I still was over even. You know, I, I still went over breaking even, but yeah. I bet on NFL games, and that was a that was a mistake. Yeah, uh, um, especially the first week NFL action, man. It's always a weird week too, but. College football was bizarre, man. I mean, Marshall upsets Notre Dame, Appalachian State ups, upsets Texas A&M. Texas almost beats Alabama without Quinn Ewers for yeah. the second half of that football game. Like it was just a strange, strange week of college football. Scott Frost got canned. Finally, we we knew that was finally. coming, but finally <laughs> it was going to happen. So it was a uh, strange week of college football. Very strange to say the least. And I also like. I think that that Texas game against Alabama is like the the firmest example of my point that it was less about players, more about teams. Like that Texas mm-hmm. one point loss was a team performance. That was not a. Um, it's not like one guy took over the game and they popped off. Bijan had, I think, like two point seven yards per carry. Like he was barely used in that game. Xavier Worthy had a pretty good game. Quinn Ewers goes out. Hudson Card barely does anything when he steps in, but it was because they played so well collectively as a whole, and that's kind of what we got. All these really good team performances, not so much guys that were uh, contributing with massive performances, kind of like what we had, what we had in week one uh, with mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, who had a really good game. I know we're not talking about – Joe, I don't know if you watched much of the Alabama game, but man. I watched all of it. Bryce, I had a bet on the line. Bryce Young does not have much help on that team right now, man. I mean, outside of Jameer Gibbs, like the wide, I, I should say the wide receivers are yeah. not much of a help, and the offensive line's not very good either, man. Like no. it's, oh, uh, he's gonna have to make some uh, chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? This year for Alabama, unfortunately, which might be good for him actually, because I thought he actually had a pretty good game. I mean, Dane Brugler just posted a clip of him breaking out to the right and throwing an absolute dime on the run where the wide receiver just drops an easy ball. And I'm just like, that's, you know, that's Bryce is making plays, but it's just, it's not, this might be the worst wide receiver group that Alabama's had since Julio. Like, I mean, since yeah. like, like as a collective, not, not, not shaded Julio. Julio was a great player in college. I'm saying since as a collective, the wide receivers has probably been about 10 plus years since they've had an all, a wide receiver unit this bad. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs was the best receiving option that Bryce had in this game. And that's, 
you know, mm-hmm. that's a, a stock up for for Jameer Gibbs because it's showing, yep. hey, this is a multi-dimensional guy. This is a guy that can impact the game when he can't get those rushing yards. He can catch the ball uh, and make plays through the air. Latu didn't do anything, and that that group of receivers, man, that is, I I know there's five stars in there, but like, yeah. it's a group of nobodies. Nobody's did nobody did anything in that game. That was all Bryce that kept them in that game. Yeah, and if, if you don't follow Dave Brugler, one, you should, but go go check out DP Brugler. He just posted again 22 minutes ago an incredible third down play where he breaks out of the pocket, cuts back, gets the grain, and delivers an absolute whole, uh, shot across the middle of the field and just a drop, man. And Alabama, this, this – Joe, have you seen – Georgia looked really good the first game. Yep. But have you seen it? And I think they won like thirty-three nothing yesterday against Sanford. I mean, it's Sanford, so like whatever. There's not really that many great teams at the top right now, man. Like, there's not. I mean, uh, I push back uh, a little bit on that. I think. Do you? Why? I think. I think Georgia. Oh, you're saying? I said besides Georgia. Besides okay. Georgia, Sorry, I have not I thought seen you, a team. Yes. Because I think I don't know Alabama. I thought has some chinks in the armor Those right holes. now. Yeah. Ohio, Ohio State goals. Right. It seemed like Ohio State got a good victory in Week One, but then Notre Dame just loses to Marshall. So like, how good of a win was that? Right. <clears throat> if we're being completely honest, you know. And it's Clemson. I didn't think looked great. I mean, they ended up winning forty-one ten against Georgia Tech in Week One, but they look. They look. They only won like thirty-five to fourteen against Furman. Like yes, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know, man. There's a lot of uncertainty up top. I mean. Michigan, I think, is a decent team, but like they haven't played anybody yet either. I mean, we, we just have well, to say. I was, was going to say with Michigan, and I hate to admit this, they haven't played anybody, but when JJ sure. McCarthy's in, that offense looks freaking good, dude. Like, I, I want to, I got to see what, what happens when they're tested. And I think maybe the first ah, test man. is Iowa, even though yeah. there's not going to be much of a Iowa a, a defensive battle for them to to face oh. off against Petrus. But speaking of a defensive battle, Iowa beat Iowa State. What was it, a ten to seven or something like that? That was, was one so of my crazy. my my bet wins. <laughs> oh my god, it was so ugly, uh, man. But yeah, no, nah, I just ugh, struggling with this year, man. So far, man. Like, I mean, like you say, like oh, JJ McCarthy, and I agree. I think, I, like I I put on Twitter, like when they announced that it was like a battle week one week two to week three or whatever i'm just like if it's if it is a tie go with a more talented younger player like that i don't even think it's a tie though i well it's not joe but would you be surprised if week three if kate mcnamara is still the starter would you be surprised because harbaugh's a a a bozo and he does stupid stuff like that and i I even made that point that like if by making that decision in week one you're you're already setting your team back and hopefully they make the right decision and they they pick jj mccarthy but let's Get back on track. We've got a, a, like four guys that we want to cover that we thought had really good performances and put the microscope on them after this week. None of them are quarter. Actually, one of them is a quarterback. I, I, need, I stand corrected. Before we get to that, though, folks, I just want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines with reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf, Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Uh, head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Ryan. So first guy that I want to I want to discuss here, um, At Perry 
Wake Forest in general had a really good game. And I know that they're playing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is better than I think people are willing to give them credit. But Wake Forest proved that they are dominant and they are possibly one of the top two teams in the ACC this year, which is feels weird to say. They got back Sam Hartman after the medical condition and A.T. Perry right back in rhythm with, with Hartman with the game that he had. He went over 100 yards receiving, had a lot of big chunk plays. And again, I understand it's against a, a relatively weak Vanderbilt defense, but A.T. Perry continues to remind us that this is going to be quite possibly a top 50 pick by the end of the year. Dude, I love A.T. Perry. I love him. I, I think that there – well, I guess first and foremost, I guess the good news is that Sam Hartman's back healthy. That's great, right? I mean, he's a tremendous college quarterback, and it was great to see. I actually picked – Probably will be a senior bowler. <laughs> yes, he will probably 100% be a senior bowler. Joe, I picked Vanderbilt in the upset this week, just not betting on it, but like just – picking it because I thought that Vanderbilt maybe would just kind of upset them and all, but yeah, it didn't turn out too great on that end. But that regardless, good to see Sam Hartman back. Very good college quarterback. Not much else in my opinion, but AT Perry's a stud, man. I mean, kids six, four runs routes, like a much smaller man has good speed. Everything's there. And I mean, you see explosive plays are just created because he can create separation with his length, with his foot quickness, and and speed, too. I think that he's a faster player than people are going to give him credit for. So, A.T. Perry, top 50 pick, absolutely. I'm there with it, man. I am 100% there because I just think that there's just such a clean projection for an A.T. Perry. And you saw it this week, man. He great explosive plays, but he also does the little stuff, you know, like the, the chops as a route runner, getting in and out of breaks, instant separation. Like, he does a lot of stuff where I could project him in the boundary to the field, as a slot receiver, as a bigger slot, like I can project him in all those things. So I think I really like the diversity of an AT Perry and it continues to make big plays for Wake Forest in the last couple of years. I'm not saying this is a one to one comparison, but it gives me vibes of Drake London last year, who was mm-hmm. just really consistent, a guy who did all the you know the nitty gritty things. And I think ATP uh, AT Perry is I a like better. ATP. That's good. AT, I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. ATP. Yeah. ATP. Um, because ATP means energy. Um, don't don't quote me on that. If anyone actually you know knows science, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I, I no, you know what ATP. Wait, do you know, know what ATP is? I've never heard of ATP. It's, so no, I'm, ATP I'm learning right is now. A, is a molecule in your muscles that is. I don't I don't know the exact extent of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a molecule in your muscles that is used for producing energy. I don't want to go into the full breakdown because I don't fully understand it. Um, but I know podcast. that. I do know that it's important for muscle recovery and production, and that's why people take creatine is because it increases that production of ATP. But interesting, weirdest sidetrack we've ever had on the show. Um, It gives me me vibes of of Drake London because he's just so consistent. He has a bunch of really good games strung together. London goes down with the injury at the end of last Mm -hmm. year, but he's a guy who just did everything right throughout the season. Big body guy can play in the slot, can play on the outside, and then he ends up being the first receiver taken. I don't know if A.T. Yeah. Perry ends up being that first receiver, but he Probably gives not. me those vibes of, again, the consistency, the size, um, the route running, all those things. He checks a lot of boxes across the board as a prospect. Yeah, he does, man. I, I, I Again, my favorite part about his game is that his route running. It, it's, it takes you so off guard, Joe, because like, you wouldn't think that – a guy 6'4", 210 pounds would be that type of route runner. And 
he could have a big impact. I mean, and let's let's be honest about this, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba is a good football player, not a dynamic athlete, and he's out for a couple games now dealing with the injury. You talk about Keyshawn Boutte, who is just a part of a, a pretty stagnant passing offense with LSU, right? Jordan Addison's doing a good job. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Jordan Addison today, man. He had a f- phenomenal game. I, I was debating it, but I knew you would get upset, so I didn't want to do that. I, I would not. I would not <laughs> get upset. But anyway, but the point of what I was trying to say is that I do think it's a pretty wide open wide receiver group. I do. I don't think that there's one guy. You know, I'm a Keyshawn Boutte fan. Like that's my wide receiver one leaving the summer. But I don't think that At is going to have the 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 trajectory to being the first wide receiver taken, but he could absolutely crash the top five. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind on that because he is a really gifted player and he's playing good football, right? And we've seen a couple guys that just have not gotten off to the best of starts. I mean, we didn't even talk about Quentin Johnston, who in the first two weeks for TCU has like 40-something yards combined receiving in two games or something like that, right? So, like, yeah, A.T. Barry could be that guy. We'll see, but he's obviously coming off of a very strong game. He just has to continue that momentum. So diving into some guys that we didn't really take the time to cover during the summer, the first being Dalton Kincaid, who for mm-hmm. Utah was a transplant from uh, the University of San Diego. He goes over 100 yards against Southern Utah. We didn't cover him when we did the, the tight end rankings, and I think a lot of people have him as like a tight end six or, or seven in what is going to be a pretty good tight end class. What are your thoughts on, on Kincaid? Because I admittedly have not really – dove in as much into him as I know you have. He's an interesting player because like you said, I mean, he comes from, uh, you know, he was an All-American pick at San Diego FCS school. It's a part of the the Pioneer League, right? It's the one yes. that has yes. Pioneer League is is the non-scholarship and a horrible geographic section. one that's all over the place. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know Jacks. I don't think University of Jacksonville is a part of it anymore. It, they don't like, have a football program. Anymore. They don't have a football they, program anymore, right? All, yeah. So, but at one point, it's like, Dayton is in Ohio, San Diego, California. You had Jacksonville in Florida. It's like Davidson really touching, in North Carolina. Yeah, it's like touching like all corners of the U.S. It, it was weird, and it's a non-scholarship. Go figure. As well, which makes <laughs> no sense. But anyway, yeah. So he was an All-American at San Diego. Long kid, 6'6", 240 something pounds at that time. He's up near around two hundred fifty pounds now. And Joe, when he was at San Diego, he was basically a flex tight end. Like, that's what he was. He was used as a pass catcher. The thing that I like about Dalton Kincaid is I think that he's a really smooth player. And he's got a massive frame to be a, a nice receiver in the passing game. But the thing that, t- that is interesting, Joe, is coming from his background as a San Diego player, wasn't asked to block a ton. He's actually developed into a pretty good blocker for you. He's got the like, size for yeah, it. It, it. I mean, it's not, it's not imposing, but like it's passable as an NFL blocker as a tight end. So he can play in line a little bit. He can absolutely play in the slot. He can be an H he can move all over the place. So I wouldn't call him like a dynamic player by any stretch, but I think that he's just a really smooth, good football player. And I think he's going to play a lot of football in the next level. He is, I think a better version of, Jake Ferguson that came out of Wisconsin last year, mm. right? Like Jake was a solid football player. I just didn't think he was a great athlete. I think Dalton Kincaid's a better athlete than Jake. Yeah. So I would not, not be surprised if Dalton Kincaid's just a really good tight end two on the next level. Or, you know, if he develops, maybe he becomes a low end tight end one, but we'll see either way. Really nice week going over hundred yards, not against the greatest of competition, but I think you saw in this game that there's more to him than just 
block and in, short to intermediate pass catcher. Like he can stretch the seam a little bit. So I like Dalton Kincaid. I think he's a really underrated player in the 2023 tight end group. And he'll definitely be in Mobile. Definitely. Oh, a hundred percent. He's he's a much older player too because of the you know the COVID eligibility and the yep. FCS to FBS transfer. Um, this episode ends up being a big body pass catcher show for some reason. Yeah. Because the other player, this is kind of a pairing. Hey, Dal- Dalton Kincaid's only twenty-two. You lied. You lied. Oh, is he really? I yeah, I just he looked was it older. up. Well, he, in terms he, of eligibility, he's a, he's like a redshirt junior or something like that. I, I he's actually a fifth year senior, but he so, yeah, is, I knew he was like one of those like super eligibility guys. Yeah, so you were right about the the eligibility side of things, but according to our database, he's not turned twenty three until October. So I refuse to acknowledge a player as young if they are a fifth year senior. You are old in my That's eyes. That's fair. That's fair. It's a lot of experience. Oh, this is a crazy stat. 33 and 5 8 inch arms. He's got long arms, man. And 10 and 8 inch hands. He's a big freaking dude. He's going to be somebody that everybody geeks over at the combine, I feel like. Like everyone's going to have a crush on him. He'll probably run pretty well, too. So makes sense. Yeah. But today ends up being the big body pest catcher um, show because another guy who had a a super crazy performance was Cedric Tillman, Mm -hmm. who had nine receptions for 162 yards and a touchdown. I'm adding into the mix Hendon Hooker because if you watch this game, and I, I know that you were at the Notre Dame Marshall game, mm-hmm. Hendon had to do a lot to keep them like up and moving because they could not run the ball and they could not move the ball on the ground. Credit to Pitt's run defense led by Kalijah Canty, and, and that whole front seven looked really, really good in this game. Um, Hendon had to throw 42 passes. He had to throw the ball a ton, and he was running all over the place. He was making a lot of tough throws. It helps when Cedric Tillman pops off the way that he did. And again, Tillman's another guy that we didn't talk about during summer scouting, but he's got some traits. He's got some juice to him. I got to ask you before I let you dissect Tillman, what's the relation between him and Charles Tillman? Is there a relationship? I'm not I, uh, I, sure about there's it. There's got to be. There's got to be. Is Why that, does like, there have to be? Tillman's not like that crazy of a – like it's not a unique last name, is it? I but didn't he also didn't Charles someone also play Tennessee? No, no, he did not. His dad so Cedric Tillman has a dad who played at uh, Alcorn and he played for the Broncos. All right, go, okay. go ahead. I'm gonna look this okay. up. Look okay, this up. yeah, you look that up. Cedric Tillman, Joe. He, I think, is going to fight with At Perry as the top ranked senior wide receiver in this class. Massive kid, 6'3", 215. 34 and a half inch arms, which is silly, has nine and seven eighth inch hands, 22 years old, very um, estimated around a four five flat in the four yard dash. He reminds me a lot of Cortland Sutton that plays with the Denver mm. Broncos. Pretty good linear guy, more vertical based oriented type of receiver, but he can win at the catch point. He can run a little better than you might anticipate. And he's got a massive, massive catch radius. He's a Bishop Gorman guy, I think, originally. So he oh. was on that, that Bishop Gorman team that had Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Jalen Naylor and all those guys, right? So he uh, comes from a really nice program, vertically-oriented player, can push the ball down the field, 50-50 balls or more like 80-20 balls with him. So he's a really good player, man. And I think he's sort of similar to AT. I don't think, I don't think AT's... I think AT is a much better route runner than Cedric Tillman, but I think from he's a further height, along too. 
Yeah, and, but from a height, weight, speed perspective, Cedric Tobin can play, man. Like he mm-hmm. might be a we have an estimated four five flat. He might be a four four something type of athlete at six three, two hundred fifteen pounds with thirty four plus inch arms. So it's a good football player, man. Senior bowl, uh, senior bowler will absolutely be there, guaranteed. And he could be the top senior off the board at the wide receiver position. Like it's very possible. So Cedric Tolman's a good football player, very good player. ESPN needs to uh, update their class uh, information because it says he's a junior, which is not correct. Uh, the, he's a fifth year senior. Yeah, I know that's horrible that they don't have that. Well, I, I guess could he be a COVID kid? Wait, no. Yeah, so I, I, maybe he's a COVID kid. I don't know, but anyway, uh, I I trust the information that I whatever is on the website or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, he's, I def- he's that regardless of if he's classified as a junior or senior, he's definitely a fifth year player. We'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. But definitely very fun, big body player. Um, the, the you know the traits that he brings to the table. Any thoughts on on Hendon Hooker, who I, th- I know that we have talked up to you know to every full extent. This is a weird class to figure out the the next quarterback, and I still think that the battle is between Levis and Richardson for that that three spot. But yeah. Hendon still kind of hovers on the outside and maybe being like that that mid to late day two quarterback that's picked. I think we talked about it in this in the summer a little bit, but I mean, I I was surprised at how high I was on Hendon Hooker's film last year. Like, I liked a lot of the flashes of Virginia Tech. I that was the weirdest thing, Virginia Tech, Joe. I felt like every time they played Hendon Hooker, they were competitive or they did pretty well. But for whatever reason, they were just like, we're going to run a middle school offense, and so we're not going to give Hendon Hooker's the keys to the car all the time. And I think that was very misused in, in that sense. But he's a Really talented kid. I mean, he's six foot three plus. He's two hundred and twenty one pounds. Long, uh, he's got a b- big hands. the The big thing about Hennon Hooker though is that he's a little bit older. He's already twenty five yeah. years old, so he's a six year senior. So he's going to come into the NFL with with the age question marks around him, but very talented. I mean, he's a big, strong armed, athletic kid who. He's actually pretty accurate. Like it's not, it's not bad. His whole thing is that like he's just a little inexperienced still, right? Like he st- hasn't played a ton, a ton of football that you would expect for a six-year senior. So I'm excited to see how he continues to develop this year because I think there are a lot of tools. It's just some people are going to say, but like, what's the what's the trajectory for him being a starting quarterback? By the time he hits a second contract, he's going to be right around 30 years old. Like there's going to be some question marks in that area, but I think Hendon Hooker has just about as good as tools as anybody in this class. I mean, I think you could say Anthony Richardson probably is the best tools potentially of any every player, any quarterback in the 2023 class. I think you could say Will Levis is probably in that ballpark as well. But Hennon Hooker's right there, I think, with Will Levis, mm-hmm. man. Like, he has similar tools as far as Levis does. So I, I like it, man. I think he's a nice developmental option at the next level. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a day-two player. And at the very least, I think some teams look at him and say – developmental upside maybe the age bumps him into just being a backup for sure for the long term but heck having a good backup quarterback as we see feels like every single year with the dallas cowboys is important to have mm-hmm. because if you have that guy then they can step in and then you don't really lose a step or too many steps when you're trying to recover but i will say this about it it's it's going to be a murky thing because 25 is is an old rookie like that's yes. old right but I mean, Kenny Pickett just went twentieth overall in the draft, and he was twenty four. So like, it's not like a far, you know, it's 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 not like a far cry from mm-hmm. twenty four to twenty five. But yeah, it's it's going to be a major talking point. It's just, 
I wish that Hendon Hooker was developed properly during his college career. Like I think that it this is the Damn fault Virginia of Virginia Tech. Tech. <laughs> it really is, man. Justin Fuente did not. I don't understand. And all due respect to Quincy Patterson and Braxton Burmeister. Like I'm not throwing shade at those guys. I'm really not. But how did you look at those three together and say Hendon Hooker is not clearly the guy? Like I just I just, I don't get that. Quincy Patterson went to North Dakota State and he was a backup quarterback, right? Like he yeah. started like a couple games and he just a backup quarterback. Braxton Burmeister is like a starter now, at like San Diego State or something like that. How do they not look at Hendon Hooker and say that's our guy? It just was very mis- mismanaged at the quarterback position at at uh, at the college. It was ugly, man. Ugly. So throwing a little bit of a spotlight to one more guy, Israel Abakinda, the pit running back. Your boy, man. Uh, no, <laughs> claim him, claim him, Joe. Do I'm it. not. Well, I'm not. So I, I, this is just a, you know, like, hey, this guy had a really good game, and maybe he deserves to get looked at. He's not. I'm not saying this is like a top five running back. That's not what I'm saying. But he finishes the game for, uh, you know, 25 carries, 154 yards, and a touchdown. But the big thing. He had the 76-yard rushing touchdown in the beginning of the game, and he also had a couple other long runs in this game where he was hitting holes hard. And when you have a performance like this against an SEC team and a big game and a reason why your team is producing and able to be in a tight game like this, you're the reason why your team is scoring you're going to get talked about a little bit. There's going to be some indications of like, hey, let's go back and check this guy out because maybe he's got something after a performance like this. Hopefully it's not just a flash in the pan and he ends up becoming like a CJ Verdell who's who was a, a nobody after that one game that he had last year. But interesting to see the, you know, the plays that he put on tape this this past week. How'd you say his name again? I know I'm gonna butcher it. Israel Abakinda. That was how the, the broadcaster said it. I love it, man. I love it. So I mean <laughs> He'll be an interesting player to watch because I think that Keenan Slovis got knocked out of that game, didn't he? I saw that Nick Pat- Patty, I think, is the backup quarterback yeah. who came in at the end. I don't know if he got knocked out or if it was just a play issue or something, but I, I think he did get. I think there was an injury. Patty I, I finished th- nine for twenty, by the way, which is just oh, so ugly, man. And they still almost won the game, didn't they? They almost won that football game, but yeah, Israel is running behind a very good offensive line. So he might be getting leaned on now. And you got guys like Carter Warren up front. I know Gabe Huey is still coming back from injury, but I like the right tackle a lot. Matt Gonclaves, Marcus Miners, a good offensive ta- offensive guard at the college level. So they're playing behind one of the more experienced offensive lines in Pitt, a good offensive line. And looks like they might have to work. Uh, they have to kind of rely on Israel Abenkinda to move forward here because if Nick Patty's the starting quarterback for foreseeable future, uh, you might have to run the ball a little bit. Probably not going to be great. Yeah. Um, Nick Patty, though, was very hard to watch. Uh, <laughs> such a bad quarterback name, too. Nick Patty. I know. Nick Patty. Awful you're, name. You're getting flipped every every play. Uh, at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with more. I think we'll have an interview dropping this week, so be sure to tune in for that. We'll be back, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.